0: I'm going to launch in this morning uh, with just a brief little question, and, and I, I don't know if you've ever been like this. If Maybe this is just me, but have you ever wondered what it's like to just kind of sit in somebody else's seat? Have you ever wondered that? Like, what is it like to sit in somebody else's seat? Like, I, I'm thinking, I watched a lot of college football yesterday and, and, and so have you ever wondered like what it's like, you got 90,000 fans, you know, screaming and yelling and they're all amped up and you're the star player, everybody's watching what they're doing, how they're thinking, what they're going to, you ever wondered what it's like to be in that guy's shoes? Like, man, what would that be like? Everybody's screaming and like, you're like, I just got to make the play, I just got to make the play. Or have you ever been to a concert? And at that concert, you see those musicians up there, I'm a drummer, I've always wondered like, I wonder what it would be like to be up there, and there's like an arena full of people uh, watching you and singing the songs, and they're just enjoying that. Like, you ever wondered what that is like, or maybe, like, what's it like to be a trainer of a dolphin at SeaWorld, you know, like, what would it be like to swim in the pool there, or a trainer of the killer whales, you know, they, they could... Take a hold of you and do something, right? You ever wondered what that's like? Like, I I often find myself like, I wonder what that would be like. What would it be like to sit in that person's shoes? Like, what it would be like to be in their life? And so today, we get to actually do that. And here's what I want to encourage you to do is to put yourself into the story today. I, I want you to sit in the seat of a guy named Philemon who was an early follower, and and imagine what it might have been like to be in his space. Imagine what it would be like if you're like, you know, knock, 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 you know, hey, Philemon, uh, 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 these guys are here, they have a letter from Paul, and one of them's addressed to you, what what are we going to do? And you're like, well, tell everybody to come on over. We're going to gather together, and then we'll listen to those. Make it an hour or so. Like, what would that have been like to know? You're getting a letter, you're sitting with the church, and then somebody is reading that letter out loud to everybody, and it's about, uh, it's about what you've got going in your life. What must it have been like to be Philemon? What was going on in his head? What was going on in his heart? What was he feeling when that letter was being read? And so I don't want us to miss the opportunity that we have this morning to slot ourselves into the story and wonder if that were us, what might that be like? What would it be like to be Philemon? What would it be like to sit in his seat? So if you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and open up to Philemon. Uh, there is no chapter, it's just Philemon, all right? And if you have your journal, uh, you can open up to Philemon. We're going to dig into this little book that has really just 25 verses. 25 verses in here. And it's a unique book in the New Testament because this book has no epic doctrine. There's no theological error that is, is uh, 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 kind of dealt with. There is no like church history that's going to affect the biblical narrative, really. It's just a letter to a couple human lives. Where Paul makes his appeal for this, that if what is in here, if what is true, if the gospel is true, that what's in here, when it makes it from the pages there into our heart, so if what's in here transforms what's in here, then the outflow of that should be transformation. Because a renovated heart, it it, it leads to a different life. And so what must that have been like here as they read this uh, out loud, and then you're sitting in Philemon? Because remember, a few months ago, we were going through the book in Colossians, and you'll remember at the end, there were a couple guys that were noted, and so, uh, well, several guys. There's Epaphras, he's the guy who likely planted the church, and he went to Paul, told him about what was going on in Colossae, so Paul writes the letter. And then he's the guy, uh, he, he sends the letter, Paul writes the letter, sends it back with Tychicus. Tychicus is a trusted guy. Now he's carrying this letter with another guy who is identified. His name is Onesimus, and he's from the city, called out by Paul as somebody who is faithful and a beloved brother who is one of you. One of you. And so this letter... Shows up, you have to understand that so Philemon and Colossians likely came together. Philemon's like a cover letter to Colossians. It's like this, uh, it's like, hey, read this first, and then the rest of what Colossians is will make a whole lot more sense because it's addressed to one guy in particular, Philemon. And, And typically, what we would do with a book like this is there's 25 verses, and you're like, What what are we going to do with this? And typically what we do is we carve it in half. We say, let's deal with about half the book, see what's going on, and then we'll deal with the second half later. But but we're not going to do that. Instead, what we want you to do is to sit in two different seats. All right, so today you get to sit in Philemon's seat and see what it was like for him to have this letter read. And so we're going to uh, dig in about gospel implications about what uh, that uh, means for Philemon. So sit in his seat today, but then next week, Pastor Renaud is going to unpack what it looks like for you to sit in the seat of Onesimus, who is another major player. What would it be like to sit in his seat to hear this book read, to hear this letter read from Paul? How might that have impacted him? What are some of his thoughts? Where was his headspace? What was going on in his heart? How was he feeling about all of this? So that's what we're going to do as we dive into this book. And so we'll uh, we'll read most of the verses today, so congratulations, you're going to read a book of the Bible today, all right? So you know you're getting out of here with at least that, all right? So that's a good day, right? All right. So, um, slot yourself into the story. Slot yourself. Get your, get your head there. You're, you're, you're now in a space where the letter, uh, the, the knock on the door has happened. You know, hey, I'm here. Everybody's there. Tychicus rolls in. Uh, Onesimus, who was carrying the letter with Tychicus. And so these guys roll into the house, and then the letter is being read. And, here, uh, and, and so you're there with other followers of Jesus, and here's what Paul has to say when you get to these words here in Philemon. Verse 1, "'Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.'" Now, Paul normally doesn't go this route. Typically, he announces himself right away. He says, I'm a prisoner, right? I'm a prisoner. Typically, what he does is he announces himself as an apostle. He's declaring his authority there, but he doesn't do that here. He switches gears on us right here, and he says, I'm a prisoner. That's a new thing for him. He's not wanting to pull rank here, and you will understand as we keep going here. But also notice how he addresses Philemon. How does he address him here in the book? He says, our beloved fellow worker. That's team language. That's we're in this together. You're a major player in this. You're one of the guys who's helping push some of the big rocks up the hill. You're not just the average guy. You're a team guy. He's a beloved Fellow worker, that's language reserved for people who are on your team helping advance the gospel. And, and that's clear because it says in verse 2, and the church meeting in your house. So we know that Philemon's pretty well off because back in the day if you had a house that was sizable enough to have the local church come meet in your house then you probably had a little courtyard where people could come and gather and then you could gather for things just like this where the book is read or the letter from Paul is read and you can have everybody there to hear it and so uh, we we have somebody who is taking their means what they have been blessed with and turning around and being a blessing with what God has blessed them with. He's being uh, very responsible with what he has been blessed with. And then Paul continues. He says, "I, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived... Much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Now, uh, let's go back to verse five there. Verse five says, Man, I've heard of your love for Jesus, so the vertical relationship is growing, and I've heard of your love for others, right? This is how it's supposed to be, right? love God, love others. Jesus was asked that question. What's the most important commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. So love God, love others. This, he's doing that. This is his life. And, and, and right there, that's the transformation that I was talking about. Now, I mean, all throughout this book, you see Paul come back to challenge Philemon with this incredible truth that what is in the book, what the letter is explaining, the truth of the gospel, when it moves from pa- uh, words on a page and it begins to, to go down deep. and and into every crack and crevice of your soul, that when it starts transforming here, then uh, then, then the outflow of your life is different. And we're seeing that in Philemon. He is living that out. Right? It, it, is, it is what Jesus has done for us and in us that moves us to take this information, let it sink in here, and then it, it flows out differently. Our lives are lived differently, and that's what verse 6 is getting after. Verse 6, he says, I pray that the sharing of your faith, the sharing of your faith. That word sharing is a unique word. It's the word koinonia, and, and it's, a, it's a word that indicates partnership." It's like we're in this together. This is a team mindset. It's not me over here imprisoned in Rome uh, and, and you guys are over here doing your own thing. No, we're on the same team. We're partnering together to advance the truth of the gospel in this generation. Philemon's not just a casual attender, he's not your typical first century early guy that just kind of one of the many. This is one of the guys who's a team leader. And, and, he, and he has been impacted by truth. He's a varsity-level guy here. And the letter is coming to him, and he has been impacted by truth. But even though there is some good stuff going on in his life, there is still room for growth. Because we see that here, in, in, again, in verse 6. At the end, it says, to be, uh, I, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the, the full knowledge the full knowledge. Not just a little bit more, not just a little to help you today, but a full understanding of what God's plans and purposes are. I want you to fully embrace that, grab hold of everything. And, and this is so good because what Paul is basically doing, he's teaming this up and he's saying, you know what, Philemon, I see some really solid things in you. I I see that you love God. I see that that outflow is that you love people more. I see some really good things in you, but, but I'm getting you ready to push past where you currently are. There is way more that you still have yet to experience. That's what full knowledge is, that you don't possess everything you need to know just yet. There is more. And he goes on to share some of what that would look like verse 8 accordingly though i am bold enough in christ to, to command you to do what is required yet for love's sake i prefer to appeal to you i paul an old man and now a prisoner also for christ jesus all right things kind of got strange right <laughs> like you're sitting in the room you're you're philemon right you're sitting there and you read this here, or it's read to you, it gets kind of strange. Imagine uh, Paul coming right out and say, Okay, I could tell you what to do. I could take my apostolic authority and I could come at you and say, Hey, uh, this is some things, uh, these are some things that you need to do. And I, I, as an apostle of Christ Jesus, I'm, I'm laying this out there that this is what I, I, I want from you. He could have done that. I, and, and I've got some years. I mean, he says, like, I've got, I'm an old guy. I've got some years. I've got some experience on you. But I don't want to force anything on you. I don't want to tell you what to do. I don't want it to be out of compulsion to obey what I'm telling you to do. What I want you to do is to feel conviction from the truth of God and let that move you into change. I want what He has taught you. I want the truth of the gospel to so impact you that it rises up from within. Even though I could tell you what to do, I'm not going to do it. It's kind of like this. Like, anybody who has had little kids, you know this, right? When your kids, one of your older kids or some younger kids has something that the older kid wants or vice versa, and, and when they're little, you know, somebody takes something because they want it, right? And then typically what rises up in, in normal kids is one of the other kids smacks one another, right? And you're like, hey, you know, Dave, don't smack Gary, you know, and just tell him you're sorry. I'm sorry. Are they though? You know what I mean? Like, are they? <laughs> I was like, no, they're just doing what we said. There is no inner conviction of of repentance in there. It's like, wow, that was way out of line and outside the boundaries that God would have. Like, I am so terribly distraught over my uh, actions towards you. No. Like, they're just like, no, I just wanted what they had. And so I smacked him. He didn't give it to me. You know, tell him you're sorry. No, they're not. And this is the principle that Paul is getting after right there. It's it's like, no, I, I could tell you to do something. But it's going to be way more impactful when it comes out of a heart that is saturated by the truth of Jesus Christ. Because remember, when we slaughter self in the story, man, you got to know that when he's dropping that kind of information, what's getting ready to come is going to be hard. Right? You're like, uh-oh, if he's telling me, he could tell me to do something, but he's not. And now he's saying he wants it to come from within. Huh? What's going to go down now? Well, let's go there. Verse 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. Now we see the purpose of this letter. Whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. But more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? There is so much in there, so much in there. First of all, we see Onesimus is introduced now as a believer. Somebody who is a follower of Jesus because Paul shared the gospel with him. Onesimus was there. He heard, uh, he heard the truth, and then he responded in faith. That's that child-father uh, conversation going on in verse 10. He, Paul shared. Onesimus became a, a follower, so now he's a child in the Lord. He's a, he's, he's a spiritual father. Paul is a spiritual father to Onesimus. Onesimus came to faith under Paul. And here we see that this is somebody super important to Paul. Because he said, said, I'm sharing my very heart with you. My very heart. Somebody who is deeply, deeply important to me. I'm sending him into your space again. I've been pouring into him. And I see that uh, he's been faithfully serving me. And I have no doubt that he will faithfully serve you. And we see that in verse 13. Paul wanted to keep him around, right? He said, oh, I would love to have him stay here. It would be great if he stayed here. Now, why would he have him stay? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. But you could speculate here because there's a couple things going on. Number one, if you think about if, if Onesimus came to faith in, in, uh, in Paul's ministry... Uh, if you've ever poured into somebody, then you know for a fact that it is, it's really good when you're pouring into somebody to be, just continue to just let them know everything you know. When you learn something, you pass it on. When you experience something, you extract the truth out of that and you pass it on. And probably what's going on here, you think of the wealth of knowledge and experience that Paul had, and he probably wanted to pass that on. There was more still that Onesimus could have learned. And there, it, but at some point, you got to send him out of the nest, right? Go fly, buddy. It's time to go fly. Go experience what's out there. Go share what you already know. So he's going to go fly. He, he kind of booted him out of the nest there. said, it's time for you to go. But then also you have to understand this, that when you're in a Roman prison... Guess what? You don't get there. Good treatment. Three squares a day. Where it, I mean, that's not the case there. Back in the day in Rome, you are in prison. If you don't have somebody bringing you food, guess what? You don't. You don't eat. I, I, Onesimus was probably taking care of him, blessing him, bringing him things, taking things to others, kind of a, a messenger of sorts, bringing him food, taking care of him. He's a blessing to Paul, right? He, he may have been serving him in that way, but then We go back to verse 14, and there it is again. I prefer to do nothing without your consent that it might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. There it is again. He wants wants the gospel, the truth of Jesus, to be so pounded deep down into the very parts of our soul that what naturally comes out is a transformed life. The, The things that we say, the things that we do, the attitudes we adopt, all of these things, these outflows of life, are transformed because of what happens inside that comes from right here in this book. The truth of the gospel, the ways of God, who Jesus is and all that he has done should so profoundly impact our interior life that our exterior life is totally different. That's what he's getting after there again. And then this is where Paul challenges Philemon. Challenges him in verse 15 and following. The why of the letter. Right there in verses 15 and 16, Paul launches out Exhibit A. Here's Exhibit A, church. Exhibit A is Onesimus. He's here. And, and here's what I, I need you to understand. He, he left a bondservant, but he came back a brother. And so we need to see how this is going to roll. We're moving from theory into reality now. He's calling him to action to see if what's really in the, the, the scriptures, if, if what he knows to be true and right and good, what he has learned about the ways of Jesus has actually transformed his heart so that he lives differently, so that things are differently, which is it, it's moving from theory to reality, which that's what we have to do too, right? On a daily basis. It can't just be, well, I read three uh, chapters of the book, now I'm, you know, check, 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 all right, click, go, uh, pray a little bit, then hit life, and as if nothing that we just experienced out of the Word of God is, is meaningful to anything in our life. It should have profound implications on the things we say, what we think about, how we treat people, the attitudes we adopt, what we listen to, what we watch. It should have this profound effect, a transformational effect on the way that we do life, and that's, that's really what he's going after here, because the full picture of what we're dealing with is, Onesimus was a bondservant. Something went down between Philemon and Onesimus, and Onesimus split. He left. He showed up in Rome. He was one of the guys that was in Colossae, but now he's over there with Paul in Rome, and he's gone, and, and, and so he was a bondservant, but now he's being sent back as a brother, now, I'm not going to get into all the intricacies of what a bondservant is and what you know, like the, the whole slavery issue was back in the day, not because I'm trying to dodge anything at all not trying to avoid anything. Uh, I'm just, uh, I, it's just noted in here what it is, and I want to talk about how that impacts Philemon. But next week, we're actually going to dive into that, as I said earlier. You're going to sit in the seat of Onesimus, and we'll talk through what a bondservant was, what, what slavery looked like back in the day. It, it, and we'll kind of unpack some of that and how the gospel is is speaking to this guy named Onesimus and how it challenges him. But today, what we clearly see is that Onesimus was a bondservant. He left that way, but Paul is sending him back as a brother. A brother, and we can't miss that. There was a hierarchy before. There was the boss and the guy who worked for him. Now he's being sent back as, hey, now you're on even ground because there's Jesus and the rest of us. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom of God other than Jesus is lifted high, and then all people are on level ground before the cross. That's how it's flowing here. He's, he's making that known. And so if you think of this, like my mind instantly went here. It's like uh, this is like a, a boxing match of sorts. If this were a boxing match, what Paul just said here in these verses is, he left a bondservant, he came back a brother, that's like a boom, that's a jab right there to the chin. And and Philemon's like, whoa, okay, this is different. I wasn't expecting that, I didn't know what was coming at me. And then, he's not done. uh, Paul's about to bust him up with the right cross. You ready? Here's the right cross, verse 17. So, if you consider me your partner, there's that partnership language again, we're not, it's not me and you, but it's us, we're the church, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me, oh, and we know if Paul showed up, it would be red carpet, you know, get the fattened calf, let's have a great barbecue, this is going to be good, So he's saying, if you consider me a partner, then you treat him like you would treat me. He's basically saying, hey, we're part of the family of God, and if we consider ourselves on Team Jesus, then here's how it's going to flow for me. I look at this guy named Onesimus, and I throw my arm around him, and I call him our brother. That's what I call him. I'm I'm labeling him that. He's our brother. And then Paul, boxing match, he delivers the knockout blow. You ready? Verse 18 and following. He says, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. In other words, I shared the gospel with you. Your eternity was changed. But we'll just leave that off the table. Just a little side note. Uh, to say nothing of you owing any, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Guys, this is the only book Catch this, the only book in the New Testament that does not specifically preach the gospel because it doesn't need to because right here, what we have just seen is an example of it. He is actually living it out. He is displaying it. He is modeling right here what Jesus Christ did for you and for me if we have put our faith in Him. That's what's going down right here. Basically, what you have Paul saying is, he's like, Onesimus, he was a bondservant, now he's a brother, and so if he owes you anything, here's the deal, Philemon, you pin his debt on me. If he owes you anything, I will pay it back myself. It's like this uh, promissory note. He says, I'm writing this with my own hand. Remember when you signed that car loan? When you signed that thing for your house, and you're like, I promise to pay this back? That's what this is. It's a promissory note. He's saying, whatever that guy owes you, you pin that on me, which is an amazing example of what Jesus has done. Yesterday morning, I woke up about four o'clock in the morning, and I just couldn't sleep. And and after studying this, man, I had a, a very profound moment in my walk with Jesus, where I just came face to face again with the reality of my sin, The laundry list of things that I had done, that I had said, that I had thought, and not only that, but the things that I will say, and I will do, and I will think, the the crazy amount of stuff, and that Jesus, He comes with me before our gracious Heavenly Father, and He says, Whatever he owes you, Father, you pin that on me. I will pay it. In fact, I did a couple thousand years ago when the full wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. He paid for all of my garbage and I stand freely before Jesus sinless it's just i've been justified it's just as if i've never sinned and and a friend texted me this morning it's not just that but it's just as if i've always obeyed i just started crying in my bed it's like what has been i've been forgiven i am free and if you have placed your faith in christ that is your story too that Christ comes before our heavenly Father and he says, whatever they owe you, whatever their sin debt is, pin that on me. I have repaid it. I have repaid it. Amen? This is 2 Corinthians 5.21 that tells us for our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, We could become the righteousness of Christ. This is what we see being played out right before us. Guys, don't miss it. Don't miss it. He could have, Paul could have come in and said, all right, I'm I'm using my authority, I'm telling you what to do, here's how it's going to flow, this is how it has to happen. But instead, he says, no, 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 I want the truth that God has revealed to so move from here to camp out in here and transform what comes out of you. A renovated heart always leads to a transformed life. The way that you live is going to be different because if it doesn't move from here to here and then out of here, then guess what will not happen? You will not call him brother. He will continue to be a bondservant. There will not be forgiveness. There will not be reconciliation. It's not going to happen. But if it does move from there to here and begins to go down deep into every crack and crevice of your soul and it begins to grow and produce fruit, then you know what's going to happen? A slave becomes your brother. Forgiveness happens. Reconciliation is in effect because that's what would happen if Christ were living in your space. That's what would happen. This is the the way of Jesus. The debt is gone because you're living out of a renovated heart. Now others can experience that transformation that you've experienced. It impacts real life stuff. It's not just words on a page. It's, it's rocket fuel to get us to move forward in our journey. That's what happens. There's where it's at. Got to see that in Philemon and Onesimus. Because remember, this is the cover letter. The cover letter that was attached to Colossians, which is all about reconciliation with God and reconciliation with each other. We've seen that. So they got to see it lived out in Philemon and Onesimus because imagine what reading that letter would have been like because when you launch that out right there, right? When you launch that out, like it needs to move from bondservant to brother. You hear all this unpacked. You're in Philemon's seat and you hear all this. What happens? What happens to you? Here's what I envision. You get up out of your seat. The guy who ran away, who used to be the guy who worked for you, who owed you something, you get up and you throw your arms around him and say, welcome home, brother. You're free to go. You're free to go. Check this out. Many church historians believe that it's likely that Onesimus, once bondservant, now brother, became the bishop of the church in Ephesus. One of the most... Uh, important church centers in all of Asia Minor. Impact Church right there. And he became the leader in that space. I Means somewhere in there, he was no longer just a bondservant. Now he is a major player because he ran free. And this letter, it makes us, it here to us here in 2021. And it calls us into account as well. This isn't just for some guys that lived a couple thousand years ago. This is for us today. God saw fit to make it here uh, that we would interact with these words here in 2021 because I I think it, it begs a conversation that you and I need to have with Jesus and ask him where our heart is. Ask him if what's going on in here has really taken root in here and if it has, what does life look like out there? It's worth a look. Amen? It's worth a look. Don't miss our opportunity. Don't miss that chance to go deep with Jesus and ask Him. Because guys, if we look like everyone else, then what's going on in here? What's happening in here? Has what's in here impacted here? Because if it hasn't, then what's out there is, we're going to look and walk and be like everyone else. But we've been called to be salt and light. We've been called into spaces where we would resemble Jesus. And so I, I just want to invite you. I mean Don't miss the opportunity today to get, enter into that conversation with him. And to ask him what it looks like. Like wherever you're noticing some areas that are lacking. Some areas that are outside the boundaries that God has established in his word. When something's not clicking. That you would have that conversation with Jesus and ask him for his help. You know, so because here's our tendency is we hear those things and we're like, okay, and we jet out those doors and we go try to fix ourselves. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. If you could fix you, you already would have, right? And then you'd have wrote a book about it and you'd be loaded because everybody else is looking for that answer. How do I change me? Why do I keep doing this? Why does this keep happening? Because we can't change us. Oh, but here's what we get to do. As followers of Jesus, we get to go and we get to lay that right at his feet. We get to ask him, God, this is what I need. I I need to look like you. I need to think like you. I need to respond like you. And I don't. And I want to depend on you. I want to lean into you. I want to walk with you in such a way that I resemble you in every area of life. Take what is in this book and make it real in here so that what comes out is transformational and people are impacted and your kingdom forcefully advances in this generation. That's what I want to be a part of. But there's some stuff broken in me right now, Jesus. So would you help me? And here's what happens. The Spirit of God comes along. Because his job is to bring conviction that will lead you into action to resemble Jesus. And when you resemble Jesus, then you bring glory to God the Father, who then is like, oh, but wait, there's more, that full knowledge that we talked about. And then the Spirit comes back in and is like, oh, man, there's some things, here's some conviction. I want to move you into spaces that will help you resemble Jesus more, so that God is glorified and God's like, oh, but wait, there's more. And on and on and on it goes, because he is faithful faithful, good, merciful, kind, and He is for you. And He wants you to be on board with the plans and purposes that He has affected here. And so let's take this invitation, this invitation from Philemon to live in this freedom, this restoration, this forgiveness, this newness of life. When we take what is in here, And let it flourish in here so that what comes out is game-changing stuff as the Spirit of God moves and works in and through us to affect His change in our generation and beyond. Let's be part of that story. Let's let that be our story. Let's be challenged by Philemon, this amazing little book, that brings us to the heart of God. Let's pray. God, we stand in complete awe, knowing that we do not deserve to stand in your presence, That because of, but because of Jesus, we can freely come to you because you have rescued us, you have restored us, you have forgiven us. And now we stand ready to, uh, to, to go into the world and effect change for your fame and your sake, Jesus, alone. And we know that we will find incredible joy in that. But we just can't change us. It's too, it's too hard. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. But you do because you're the changer of human hearts. You're the lover of our soul. You're the one who came. You're the one who died the death that we deserve to die so that we could live in freedom and hope and life. And so now we follow you and we glorify you, Jesus. We lift you high. We make much of you. We want to set our affection and our attention on you so that we experience what you have for us. And so in these next few moments, we get to engage in song to declare some truth about you. We get to remind ourselves of the gospel. We get to declare that gospel to others. So what pours out of our our mouth, may it be an overflow of what you have done inside the interior work that comes uh, from the fuel that the scriptures are, that it'd be like igniting a flame inside of us so that we walk out of here a different people on mission for you, ready to go where you send us to do what you've called us to do to make much of you Christ. That's our privilege, our calling, our honor, equip us to do that, help us to surrender to you, to lean into you like never before, to have that hard conversation that if, if what's inside isn't quite there yet, that we would lean into you and experience you for the savior that you are, the, the, the life changer that you are, the one who offers mercy and hope. You have justified us, now sanctify us by the power of your spirit so that you are glorified, Jesus, and that the Father is made known in this world so that people can experience salvation and rescue in you alone, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, amen.